like and saying, Hey, remember uh, we, we spoke to you, we, we told you last week, we warned you last week, we're taking up a special offering today, and we're going to do it this time. And what we're doing is a special offering to what we normally do around Christmas time, we like to bless some families. Uh, some families in need, and so we want to bless families. And what we normally do is we allow the Sunday school classes kind of do their own thing. And so they all kind of group up and, and target families. And, and so this year what we thought we'd do is take a more unified approach. And so we're doing one offering. No Sunday school classes are doing their own thing. The women's ministry are actually giving to this. They gave uh, a lot at the women's Christmas party. They gave over $400 towards this project. And so... Uh, that's what we're doing. We're taking one offering, and the board has gotten together. The pastors are getting together, and we're we're targeting. We're gathering up some names to bless this year at Christmas time because we know there's some families in need, and we want to bless those families. And so I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and we're going to pray, and we're going to take up the offering this morning to bless um, some families at Christmas time. Dearly Father, Lord God, I thank you, Lord, uh, for this season. And Lord, I thank you to have people who have generous hearts and caring hearts and want to bless and give this season, Lord. So I pray right now this offering goes beyond what we expect, Lord God, that we invest in this offering, Lord God. We're investing in kingdom principles, Lord God, and and things that we probably will not ever see until we get to heaven, Lord God. But I pray right now as as these families give of themselves, give of their money this morning, Lord God. I pray that you bless them. But Lord, I pray that it would be a blessing to other families, Lord, this Christmas season that put a smile on somebody's face, on some children's face, to know, Lord God, that there's people out there who do care, who, who do love them, Lord. So I pray that you bless this offering, bless the families it's going to, and bless the families that are giving this morning. In precious holy name we pray, amen. So I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead this morning. If you're joining us for the first time, you're here on a very special Sunday. Uh, one Sunday that a lot of people didn't think were going to come, uh, but it has arrived. We're wrapping up the book of Romans today. This is the last time uh, that we're back to chapter 16, verses 25 to 27, but we're wrapping it up today. And what's cool about today is we get to see the whole book of Romans, basically, and what Paul is going to present to us this morning. And I'm excited. I'm a little sad um, because it's almost, you almost want to go back and start again. That's how, I mean, we went through the book of Romans, but we really just scratched the services on a lot of things. And so the book of Romans is a great place. If you ever want to do a study, if you ever want to do a deep dive, go to Romans, because it just presents the gospel. What I love about it is it presents the gospels on so many levels. One level, you just read through it, and it's the gospel. Here's the gospel message. We're not good enough. We don't have righteousness. We get righteousness through Jesus Christ. After we get righteousness through Jesus Christ, he accepts us. We have access to the Father. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us gifts to use, what? To further his kingdom. Amazing. But then you go back and read it, and you start looking at everything. And it just, I mean, every time you read it, there's something new in the book of Romans. So that's why I want to encourage you. If you missed any of this, go back and listen to it. Or go back and read it on your own, because it's a challenging book. But it's awesome. It's just an awesome book to go through. But this morning, so we remember that Paul, we've seen Paul write this letter to the Romans for, from Corinth. And now we're to the very last paragraph of this letter. And very likely at this point, Paul, Paul takes the pen and writes a closing paragraph in his, home, in his own handwriting, in his own hand. 
And he tells us this in 2 Thessalonians. We read this in uh, chapter 3, verse 17. This is how he closes out his letters. He likes to do it himself. He likes to, and, and the reason I'm saying this, this little background, this is cool things to know. that he always, And he would do this purposely, one, to authenticate the letter. And he would make sure nobody knew it wasn't a for, forgery. This is actually Paul writing this. And it was pretty big time that he did this because a lot of scholars, they, they kind of agree I still don't know how they came up with this, but they agree that Paul probably had some kind of, suffered from some kind of eye problem, and so it's kind of difficult for him to do things like this, but he, he did this on his own, own hand. And so look at, this, look at how he writes in his own hand his last three verses here in the book of Romans, chapter 16, starting with verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ, According to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandments of the eternal God, has been made known to all nations, lending to obedience of faith, leading to obedience of faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. So we see some remarkable words that wraps up the book of Romans. It's kind of a, a beautiful finale to this epistle that we see this morning. And you notice the goal of Paul has been, it's been in view of the whole letter, now that we get to the end of it, we can see that. But the summary of this and the goal of this is that we know that we may be established. And we saw that. If you look at the first part of that I read in verse 25, now to him who is able to establish you, and so this has been kind of the goal of Paul, this letter, is to know that we may be established. Have you ever desired, anybody ever desired to be established? You know, many people think they're established when they're really probably just stuck in the mud. But when we sit down and we think about it, you know, we want to be established, don't we? And it means, you know, some people it means maybe progress has ceased, to some, it means we have arrived. You know, I want to be established. You know, that's always growing up. I just want to be, you know, I want to be established. I want to be, you know, I want to be at the top of my game. I want to be in the manager somewhere. I want to have the house, the car, the kids. I want to be established, right? And we think if we get established, that means that's when life kind of calms down and life kind of settles. And you just sit back and like, yeah, I'm established. But in reality, that's not it. But if that was the case, there's a lot of Christians who could call themselves established, Right? If that was the case. But when Paul speaks of us being established, he means putting us on solid ground, on stable ground. Kind of like, have you ever guys go to a restaurant, and you sit down at a table, and you put your elbows on the table, which you're not supposed to do. It's bad etiquette. But if you do, and then the table, like, wobbles, don't you love that? That, like, drives me nuts. I mean, it's just, there's nothing more annoying than you have to play, almost, it's almost like you play seesaw, Right? It's like you got to make sure that you put your elbow down before they take theirs off, because if you don't, it's going to get that bounce. You're going to spill some drink, right? That's annoying as I'll get out. And so what ends up happening? You know, if you're, if you're a creative guy, you just go to the napkins, right? And you start tossing out napkins. You fold them up. you got the special fold, and you slide it under, right? Or sometimes you think, well, maybe if I, if I twist the base of this a little bit, maybe that's what it is. Or you even grab the menu. You know, they love that when you grab the menu and stick it in there. I'm sure they really appreciate that. But you do anything you can to make what? To make it safe, to make it established, to make it fixed. And so you are trying to establish it so it won't rock or won't become shaky or uncertain. 
And that's the ideal that Paul has in mind in this word established. That's what he's trying to get across, that God wants to bring you and me to a place where we're no longer shaky, unstable, but we're solid and we're secure. The idea is basically that, that that's what every human being wants, isn't it? Everyone in our culture today wants security. It's something we don't have. And the world is so uncertain as it is, insecurity, in, insecurity is everywhere. And so what does everybody want? They want to be stable. They want to feel safe and secure. And this is the goal that Paul has, that we might be brought to the place of security, that we're not shaken by things, so that we don't lose our tempers easily, so we don't get frustrated, we don't get angry, we don't get resentful, we don't get hostile, where we don't scream at our kids, we don't yell at our coworkers, co-workers, or we don't get mad at our neighbors. And notice the resource that Paul counts on to make that happen. Now to him who is able to establish you. Now to him. He's talking, this is how, this is who. This is the why. This is the how we are going to be established. To him who is able to establish us. He's talking about God. It's God himself who is responsible for this. God is responsible. You and I are not given the final responsibility to make that happen. Isn't that encouraging? Because it was left to us, it would never happen. Why? Because it's not within us. We cannot provide that level of stability within ourselves. It's not humanly possible. And so we leave it in God's hands. Now there's things that God asks us to do. We understand that. We understand that what he says to us in the letter and that we're willing to cooperate and we're willing to give ourselves to it. We understand these things. But even if we don't, Paul is saying we do not have the ultimate responsibility to bring this about. That's crazy. Crazy, why? Because we want it, right? We want to bring it about. We want to fix it. Every one of us wants to fix it. Every one of us thinks that sometimes that we have the capacity to make the change that's needed in our lives. We have, if I could just get that job, if I could just get this relationship, if I could just get into this school, if I could just get make these grades, then I'd get that job offered, then I'd be set for... And we think it's within us. What is within us is do everything we can possibly do in the natural. And then we rely on God to do everything He could do in the supernatural. And so it's in us to work our hardest, yes. It's in us to want to strive, want to do good, but understand... It's only by him is going to give us that stable ground and move that rockiness. You know, there's a story about a, a, a billionaire out there. He built a castle for people to go walk through and visit, and then he, he got word there's this, there's this art collection, very rare art collection out there. And he, he thought about it, and he thought, you know, I want that. So he sent his assistant out on a, on a, on a year-long tour looking for this art collection. And the assistant finally found it and said, Sir, I found the art you were looking for. It's in a collection. She goes, it's in a warehouse here locally, actually. He's like, okay, who owns it? She's like, you do. He's like, oh, okay. He had it all along. He had it all along in his possessions, but yet he wasn't using it. He didn't realize what he had. And that's what Paul is saying. Is when we're established... We realize what we have. We realize who we are in Christ, and we use all that he's given us 
to become established. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Looking at, you know, Paul, I'm sure had in mind as he's writing this, he had his, his examples through the Old Testament of stories like this, people who God established. And one was Abraham. We know the story of Abraham. Abraham, if you don't realize, Abraham was an, an idol worshiper. Abraham could never tell the truth when it came to his wife because he always, always thought, well, this is going to be in trouble, so I'm going to lie about who she really is. And so this was a character of, of Abraham. He had, he had various character flaws, but God stabilized him. God established him and brought him to be a place where he became one of the greatest names of all time. Because God established him. God did this with Moses. He did it with David. And of course he did it with Paul. Look at the story of Paul. Paul was a brilliant young Jew. A master scholar. I mean he knew it all right. He was very ambitious. He, he, was, he was becoming famous because of his, all of his gifts. I mean he was, he was it. But yet God broke him. God softened him. God changed him. Put him through circumstances that Paul himself didn't understand at the time. Then finally established him. So no matter what Paul went through, he was strong, steady, trusting, and certain. That's why we read the stories of Paul. When you read the stories of Paul, they're beautiful letters. How the Holy Spirit worked to him and spoke to him what to write. Amazing writings. But then you look at the circumstances in which he was writing some of these letters. You're like, how in the world? Because God established him. How can he have joy in prison? How can he write these beautiful words in prison in chains, being, being beaten, being, being all, all this done to him? Why? Because he was established. Why? Because God had established him. He knew it didn't matter what was going on in his life. That didn't mean he was established. That's where we get confused sometimes. We think when our, when our life is not going like it should, we get fearful that we are not established. Well, you know, I didn't get that job. Well, you know, we're not even making rent this month. I'm not established. The Word doesn't promise that we will have life easy, does it? I know that's frustrating, but it's not promised to us. What is promised to us is that He will be with us. And we trust in that, then we can be established no matter what's going on around us. And we need that more now than we need it ever. Because right now, fear is so rampant in our country. Even in our own congregation, fear pops up about this, about that, about what's going on, what's going, what tomorrow, what's going to happen in January. What? And he's saying, this is how, this is how we have confidence in the now, in the future, because we're established, because God has established this. And that's the good news of this letter. Now to him who is able to establish you. And Paul goes on to give us three things that God will use during this process to establish us. And that's what I'm going to look at this morning. I'm going to briefly run through these. But three things that God's going to use to establish us and to know that you are established. And the first one, he says, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel. Now this is Paul writing. Does that ever make you scratch your head? When you read that, you read, okay, now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel. This is Paul writing. What's he mean? By my gospel. You know, that made me, the first time I read that, it made me scratch my head. I'm like, okay, what is he, what's he doing here? Is he like, this is, I wrote this, this is my gospel. 
You know, and so let's, let's just look real quick what that means. What Paul means is that he was given a unique revelation of the gospel, which others understood as well. You find this in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Paul is saying, I was not at the Lord's Supper. Paul wasn't there. Paul was not even a Christian at this time. Paul is saying, I have not talked with Peter, James, or John about this. None of these men told me what happened in that room. He says, I know what happened because Jesus himself appeared to me and told me. And I told you only what I received from the Lord himself. This is what he's talking about. The Lord taught Paul the same gospel that the other apostles believed, and that is what Paul means when he says, according to my gospel. It's not he's taking an arrogant stand, this is, you know, this is gospel because I wrote it. No, he's saying this is what the Lord has spoken to me. This is why I call it this. And here's the practical impact of that on us. That the test of all true Christian messages is that they line up with the gospel. And so that's where we be established. If we want to be established, we need to know how to make sure everything aligns up with the Word of God. Because there's messages today that you will hear, and they sound really good. They sound like positive things, like, yeah, that sounds good. But it doesn't line up with the Word of God. A popular message today is that God loves everyone, everybody. And that is true. But what they don't want you to know is that, yeah, God still loves, but because of who he is, because of the character of God, he still has to judge. And so they won't tell you that side of it. But this side is good, so let's just go with this. So the world wants to tell you things that line up pretty close to the gospel, but aren't quite true, and we end up buying into that sometimes, and we're misled. And so he's saying, okay, you want to be established. You don't want to be that odd third, third leg table person out there. You're going to line everything you, you come across up with the word of God. Make sure it's true. Make sure it's right. And that's how we become established. The second element of this is this, the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Here Paul is unfolding to us his heart of the gospel. Now we understand Paul is a great theologian. I mean, he is... He's up there. Like he's, he's the top theologian. You know, he's, he knows. He understands. He's been given incredible uh, supernatural insight into some of this stuff. But yet, theology was not the heart of this message, the heart of Rome, the Roman book. The heart of the book of Romans, of Paul's gospel, was a revelation of a person. And that person was Jesus Christ. That was at the heart of everything Paul did was that you saw Jesus Christ. You saw who Christ was. You saw the heart that Christ had. Everything centered in Christ. He is a heart of, was at the heart of it all. And for you and I, if we want to be established today, he has to be at the heart of everything we do. Every conversation you have, it should be the heart of Christ. Every interaction you have, it should be the heart of Christ in mind. Everything you do should be with the heart of Christ in mind. That's how we become established. The heart of his gospel was a revelation of one person, that was Jesus Christ himself. And so if, if there's a gospel out there that leaves out Christ, you automatically know that's a phony gospel. 
and you're being misled. So Christ should be the center figure of everything we do. And so how do you want to be established? You learn to weigh everything by this book. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God. How do you be established? You make sure that Christ is at the center of everything you do. Every conversation, you go in, you wake up, your morning devotions, your cup of coffee, you sit out saying, God, today, what are you going to do? Who do you have for me? You have me to speak to somebody today. I know it. How can I show love to, remember, we owe a debt of love? Remember that, that thought every day you wake up? How can I repay this debt I owe somebody? How do I prepay them love? That's just to challenge you and I now. That Christ is the center of it. Every, every interaction, we, how can I love this person? Even when you're out to eat and they don't keep your tea cup filled, right? You, you say, how can I show them love? That's when Christ is the center. That's how we are, we, are, we are embraced in solid foundation when we do these things. The third element, Paul says, which has been a theme throughout all of Romans, although it's not always called the same terms, Paul, Paul says it this way, God will not only use my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, but what he will use to establish you is the explanation of the mystery. The explanation of, I love this part. So in Romans chapter 16, 25 and 26, we read it, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings have been made known to all nations. Here's the mystery, right? I want you to get this morning. It goes, we got to start off, we got to show you the whole mystery, so stick with it as we unveil the whole mystery. And you know the mystery, but I'm just going to kind of walk it out for you this morning. So here's the mystery. This ultimate test of any Christian message, does it proclaim the mystery? Because there's thousands of places today that are having a service just like we are, have sang some of the same songs we sung, who are preaching out of the same Bible, praising God in the same way. Yet some of those churches, there's nothing exciting happening, nothing reaching out, nothing touching the community. And why is that? Because the mystery is not being proclaimed. Because if we proclaim the mystery... If we unveil the mystery, there's excitement there. There's joy there. There's a challenge there that we have a responsibility to do in the mystery. So what's the mystery? You're like, okay, Pastor, tell us a mystery. Well, there's several references to it in the New Testament, sometimes referring to it, to a part of it, and sometimes referring to the whole. But I want to start in Romans chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. It says, least... You be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. In, in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. Now, this is part of the mystery. Paul is referring to the fact that God intends to unite both Jews and Gentiles into one body. And we know if you've been with us through a study of Romans, you know that's... That's asking for the impossible. Because the Jews think they're superior. To the Gentiles, they're supposed to be down here, unclean people, right? And you and I would fall into the Gentile category. We're not chosen people. You know, we're not the chosen people of Israel. And so that's good news for us, that we will be united with the Jews as one body. But for this to happen, the Jews must be partially blinded in, while, in order for the Gentiles to see. And that's what's been going on for over 2,000 years here in the current is a partial blindness of Israel. 
And so this is one, one side of the mystery that we won't understand. Johnny and I were actually talking about this morning in the sound booth. Like, all of Israel is going to be saved. We don't understand that. I don't understand that. I can explain that to you this morning. But this is part of the mystery. Let me show you another part of the mystery found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2 to 6. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is a very important part of the mystery. But these references, parts of the mystery, are not to be regarded as distant, as distant or separate. It's all part of the same mystery. I know you're like, okay, you're losing me, but promise, stick with me. The heart of the mystery is given to us to open the chapter in the opening chapter of Colossians. Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 24 to 27. This is the clearest statement on the mystery. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, afflictions for the sake of the body, that is, the church, of which I become a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. There it is. To make the word of God fully known. The mysteries hidden for the ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Gentiles are the riches of the glory for the mystery, which is in which Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's the mystery revealed. All that God is wrapped up in a person and given to you and me. And the only hope we have ever discovering the glory of God that God intended for us and human beings is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. That's it right there in the simplest terms. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's another reference to this in 1 Timothy 3.16. It says, great indeed we confess, is the mysteries of godlessness, godliness. He was manifested in flesh, indicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in the world, taken up in glory. That's the mystery. Jesus himself is a mystery that Paul is talking about that's being revealed. It means that Jesus himself, by the, by the means of a virgin birth, Jesus himself, by the means of a holy, sinless life, Jesus himself, by the means of a substitutionary death upon a violent and cruel cross, by means of startling, breaking out uh, from prison of death, by means of the gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, means that God has given Jesus all that he is, all that he has to you and I. That's the mystery. That's a mystery revealed. That's a mystery that we've seen in the book of Romans. We've seen from the very beginning to the very end, this mystery being unfolded before us. This is a mystery. And this, because we know this, because we know the mystery now, this enables us to do a couple things. One, to deny our natural abilities and strength. To stop trying to do our own. To stop, stop saying, I can fix this. I can control this. I can work this out. I can make this happen. To stop that. To deny our natural abilities and strength. And to rely wholly on Jesus' abilities and strength. 
And then we live our lives today as though Jesus himself was living through them. That's what it means by establishing ourselves, being in Christ, that we know this great mystery and this great mystery revealed to us as Christ in us, that we are a conduit for Christ working through us, that by him... That's why we're able to do things. That's how we're able to accomplish things. That's how we're able to witness to people. That's how we're able to bring joy in people's lives. It's not because of you. It's not because of you. It's not because of your talents, your abilities. It's because God in you, because Christ in you. And that's the great mystery that's been revealed to you and I. You and I get to see the whole picture. We know the story. We know the mystery, but do you know it only in your mind? But do you also live it out? It is the knowledge of that and living in us that makes for an exciting adventure. Yeah, it's very demanding. Yeah, it can be scary. But it won't ever be boring living for Jesus. I guarantee you that. The one thing that Paul made clear throughout his whole book of Romans, all the divisions of classes and sects, and national origin are eliminated by this secret, by this mystery. It doesn't make any difference whether you're rich, poor, slave, or free. All of us are one as long as we are in Christ. Whenever Christians live on that basis, we trust the fact that God is in him through Jesus Christ. That God through Jesus Christ gives us wisdom, power, strength. That's when we find ourselves established. That's when we know that no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what craziness has happened, that we can be established. If you want to place the security, it's not going to come for by reckoning on what God can do for you. It's going to be come from you saying, God, what can you do through me? It's going to depend on how much you believe in God and believe that he's ready to do something through you. I want to ask Jonathan Macy, the team coming back up. That's the radical promise that Christ gave to you and I. Paul says a couple more things. I want to close with this. The first thing he adds to this, though the results of this lifestyle were experienced by men and women in the Old Testament, no explanation was given to them how this was going to happen. Have you ever thought about that? We get the privilege of seeing the old story. Through the book of Romans, we saw the story revealed to us. I mean, it was awesome how we saw that God put this master plan together. Before the beginning of time, he focused his love on us. And then we saw how he walked us through that we're not good enough, how we need righteousness. Okay, well, how do we get in righteousness? Well, I'm glad you asked because here's Jesus Christ. And he told us how do we get Christ, and Christ clothes us in his righteousness. And then he showed us how Christ gives us the Holy Spirit. And then how God gifted us with certain gifts and talents to be used of him. And so he's walking us. We got that privilege of seeing his master plan. Have you ever thought about the people in the Old Testament? You know, they're thinking, okay. There's a promise of the restoration of Israel. I don't know how in the world that's going to happen. Or there's a promise of the forgiveness of individual sin. How in the world? We don't have enough priests for that. Right? They're they're processing this stuff. There's There's a mighty promise of healing of the nations and the ceasing of war. And they could not capture how this was possible. They could not even imagine how in the world any of this would happen. Then Jesus came. And then it began to unfold. 
He was the secret. He was the one who would bring to pass all the tremendous promises and themes of the Old Testament. Therefore, the historical appearance of Jesus was required to put this victorious lifestyle in such vivid light that it could be preached and demonstrated to the nations of the world. That's the mystery. The second thing Paul says it was made known through the prophetic writings and commandments of the eternal God. And there's a reference in the New Testament today that the study and to read the Old Testament, New Testament, how it goes together. But I'm going to leave you with this. Paul's saying this is the mystery revealed, right? And it's Jesus. That's the mystery. How do we become established? How do we have uh, confidence in these uncertain times? How can we stand steady and not like that rocky table? It's Jesus. And we have had the privilege of seeing that unfold through the letters. But now Paul leaves us with this. Paul leaves us with this saying, okay, now you, each one of you know people around you who their world is shaking, who are living in fear, who are worried about what's going to happen today, who's worried about what's going to happen in January, worried about the vaccination, worried about all these things, right? Now it's your job to be the one who gets to unveil the mystery to them. How excited! That's the exciting part of the gospel, that you and I get this challenge, this privilege of going to somebody who's scared to death and say, hey, can I show you how I have peace right now? Can I show you a God who loved me before he even knew me? Can I show you a God who loves me even though I make bad choices? Can I show you a God who sent his son? I mean, it's amazing. As you start unfolding this for people and revealing the mystery, who doesn't love a good mystery? You know, my daughter loves the Hallmark Channel mysteries, right? I get sucked into those sometimes. Like, I don't know who did it, right? You don't know who did it. Everybody loves a good mystery. And that's what we have. We have this mystery that we get to sit down with other people and say, look, I can show you how to have sturdy ground. Can I show you? Can I reveal the mystery to you this morning? I mean, how exciting is that? That's the gospel. That's how Paul leaves it with us. So if you want to be established, get in the Word of God. Make sure everything you listen to, everything that's told to you lines up with the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Learn the Word of God. You want to be established, make sure your life is Christ-centered. You want to be established, make sure you know about the mystery. I want to end with this. Would you stand with us this morning? I want to read to you again this closing paragraph that Paul writes to us, that Paul penned this morning. Now, to him who is able to establish you, not to yourself, not to your spouse, not to your kids, to him, to God. Now, to God who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to a revelation of the mystery it's been kept secret for ages but now it's manifested by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of the eternal God and it's been made known why has it been revealed why do we know why do we have this information now look at this has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith that's it 
that's why. That's why. Now that you know, you're responsible for what you know. You're responsible to reveal this, reveal this mystery to others around you. And that's how we're established. This morning, I want to make an altar call this. We're going to have the, the band sing for us. We're going to worship with them. But if you're in here this morning and you feel like you're on shaky ground, I know there's some this morning. The season, the season is, the finances the way it is, the world it is, all the uncertainty, there, there is fear. And if you let that take hold in your heart this morning, you're not on good ground. So if you're in here this morning and you want to be established, you want to be on solid ground, I want you to come down the altars. Get low of God. Let Him establish you this morning. Let Him set your feet on solid ground this morning. If you're living with fear, you do not have to live with fear. My Word tells us this morning, we are not bound by fear. We have freedom in His name. And so some of you need to be established this morning. I want you to come as I begin to sing, make the altar. If you're not comfortable, come down front. Maybe ask a friend, hey, you want to go down with me? If you're not comfortable, come down front and make an altar at your seat. Pray where you're set. Would you just join us? Just sing with us just for a moment before we dismiss.